Hello, hello, hello. How are you hello. doing? I'm doing great. Perfect. I'm so glad to have you back on the Bill Play Rainer. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Oh wow, it's like do we do we are we co-hosts? We are the co-hosts of this podcast. Perfect. Yes. Beep boop beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Asher and I uh I host this podcast with my brother Rainer. Um, and every single episode and every single week, we bring you a new fascinating invention um, that we think well, has changed the we world. try every week, but sometimes we have to take breaks, such as last week. We did take a break. That's true. Well, you know what? You know, stuff happens, and that's okay. Stuff happens. I went on vacation, and guess where I went? Um, I'm, I, I, listen, it's not fair to ask me, but I, I'm going to pretend like I don't know. Uh, oh, I love it when you do this. This is great. Did you go to Disney World? Or uh, you Disneyland? got it. You got that right. No, it's Disney World. Disneyland's in California. I went to oh, okay. Florida, Orlando, sunny Orlando, Florida, and we had a great time. That sounds like a blast. This was great. And one of the things that we did is we went to the one of the theme parks called Hollywood Studios. Oh, and okay. we were there, and I am very interested. For those who have been to Disney before, they you'll probably know that there's hidden things all around the theme parks, such as hidden Mickey's, so you can look around and try to find these Mickey's and weird places, and they and they try to hide them intentionally. But if you find a hidden Mickey, you feel really good about yourself, and it passes the time as you wait in line. Well, okay. there's also other Easter eggs on the rides, and we were actually in line for a ride called Toy Story Mania. And it's like a uh, like an arcade type game that you ride through and you shoot lasers at stuff. It's like a glorified fair game, really. That but we fun. got stuck in line. The line was like a forty minute wait, and we we're sitting there waiting. And we saw this giant, like basically Toy Story World in in Hollywood Studios. It's amazing because they have all these giant replicas of toys, so you feel like you're a small toy when you're in this world. So it's super cool. On one of the walls, there's this giant marker box, and there was a U. There was a barcode on the marker box. Okay. And so what did you do? You scan it. Well, it had numbers underneath it, so I didn't scan it. But I was talking to the people with. I was like, I wonder if those numbers mean anything. Long story short, we looked up those numbers, which I think those numbers are called the European. They're like the EIN numbers. Basically, it's a series of numbers that. If you search those numbers, it'll pull up what that product is. Well, that those numbers were not an Easter egg. Actually, they were the exact same numbers that are in the real marker barcode, which was shocking. But what? then we got to thinking, is there any other Easter eggs in this Toy Story land? And sure enough, there is a barcode that is a giant Easter egg. What and does it do? The, and where is it? I'm so well, intrigued. Where'd you find this? And do you have to go on like a bar can, barcode scanner on your phone? Like how do you what do you do? It's it's not that intense. It's oh, kind of man. a little let down. You can't scan it. But what it is, <clears throat> is there's this ride called Slinky Dog, uh, or or Dash and Dodge Mega Coaster Kit, or something, Slinky Dog, whatever. People call it one of the other one, but I think it's called Slinky Dog Dash. But there is in this line a box, like a rep club, a box that's huge. And you walk through the box in while you're in queue for the line. And apparently there is a barcode on the box. And that barcode has a secret code to it. And the code is 
1971. And then underneath it, it says made in Emeryville, California. So people took forever looking at this, looking at this, looking at this, and then they broke it down into dates. So if you break that down, 23... Nine or two three nineteen eighty six is the first part of it, and ten one nineteen seventy one is the second part of it. So the first date, which is February third nineteen eighty six, that is the day that Pixar Animation Studios was founded. And oh. we're in Toy Story world. They oh create Toy Story. Yeah, I know. And then the next set of data is 10-1-1971, and that is October 1st, 1971, and this is the official opening for the Magic Kingdom, which is another theme park in Disney World. And then Whoa. underneath, the words that say made in Emeryville, California, guess what that means? Well, That means it was made you, in Emery, California? Well, Pixar was based out of emeryville california no way get out get out of here right now i'm i'm dead serious so that that was a secret barcode in disney that i ran into last week and then we get here today and lo and behold the producer throws at us one of the in most interesting inventions that we've talked about yet and that is the barcode mm -hmm. so this episode is called scanning today scanning today because mm -hmm. it's about barcodes. It is. <coughs> right. Good one. You know what? I got a barcode joke for you. Mm. Okay. I like that. What does a bar barcode say when he bumps into another barcode? Um, I'm not sure. What What does he say? It's a he, high level say. one, but SKU me? Oh, like skew. Yeah. Like SKU, like a skew yeah. is like an inventory yeah. me. identifier. Me. Oh, yeah. that's funny. That's a good one. Very high level. Very high yeah, level. Not, big brain. Big honestly, brain. you got to be a big brain to do it. But I thought, you know what, I pulled that joke out. I heard that a couple of days ago. Well, I, actually, it was back when uh, when I was behind the line with someone and um, uh, at Whole Foods. And, oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was he, it? A guy wearing um, Skechers and long white socks told you that? Well, he was checking out the Jewish girl, but uh, her, her, her barcode wouldn't scan. So. He was, oh, <laughs> I totally heard something else, but now I get it. You were talking about the cash, right? The cat, yeah. <laughs> the cashier. I thought you were saying this old guy was checking out a girl, like as in looking at her. But I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the joke. <laughs> oh, that was a secret joke. Yeah. Wow. I got another high level one for you. Oh, one more. Okay, we'll do one more, and then we'll jump into the. No, no, no. That, that was the high level one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. I'm misunderstanding you. Anyways, all over the place today. today is all about the invention of the barcode. If you guys couldn't already tell that we were going to be talking about the barcode, and the barcode has a pretty late history in the modern mm. world, but in my mm -hmm. opinion, and it actually starts in 1947 when a uh, local Philadelphia man who owned a food chain. He walked into a university and he was just perplexed by how long the checkout lines were and how long it was taking, you know, basically to stock things and then to put things away. Because it was back then, you know, without barcodes, essentially what you did is you had to individually price everything. Oh, wow. And then 
you'd have to go in the back end and then you'd have to track everything on a paper ledger. Right, so, so they would put stickers on, right, with like one of those sticker guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and basically stickering every single thing. Um, wow. And he's, he was like, damn, this is, this is crazy. Um, so he was at the time, he was the president of Food Fair, and he tried to enlist the help of, of Drexel Institute of Technology. He's like, there's got to be something we can do about these long checkout lines. Like, right. what can we do? My question to you is about Food Fair. Where did they go? I haven't heard of Food Fair Supermarket ever. So I was a little interested in who are they? Are they still around? Did they go out of business? Were they ever big? I mean, Food Fair was Food Fair was pretty big. They were they were basically based in um, on in Pennsylvania. Um, okay. And they they started in in the nineteen twenties and they extended uh, you know all the way up until you know eighteen uh, nineteen seventy eight. But at the peak, they had about five hundred stores. And, oh wow! Um, okay, yeah, and then they, of course they went bankrupt, so they had to sell off a whole bunch of stores, and uh, mm-hmm. they really, really um, were all sold off by two thousand. So wow, yeah. So they're not around anymore. Long story no, short, food fair is not around. That's just not fair. It's just not, not fair. It's, it's not fair. <laughs> but it's food fair. This president of food fair walks into a bar. No, I'm just kidding. He walks into <laughs> Structural Institute of Technology. And even though this teacher couldn't help him, a graduate student named Bernard Silver overheard their exchange. Like a a silver set of hair as well. I bet he did. He was like a silver fox, probably. Yeah, like a silver fox, for sure. And him and his friend Norman Joseph Woodland, they had a lot of experience, like developing things and making inventions. So they heard this guy talking about speeding up the checkout line and having better inventory, and they were like, this is a job for us. So yeah, they, were like, Let's do they that. drew from Woodland's early childhood experiences at Boy Scouts. Wow. And they thought of Morse code right away I, because I if Morse he was code ever able is, to get to be a, 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 a Eagle Scout. I bet he was more than an Eagle Scout. He was probably like a Fox Scout, Silver Fox Scout. <laughs> um, but <laughs> anyways, <laughs> they basically took the concept of Morse code and looked at it and said, look, you can compact a bunch of information in dashes and dots. Why don't we try to make lines thick and thin? And that could be our barcode. Well, yeah. that's what we have today. But... They got fancy on themselves, and they said, well, hmm, we don't like this idea. Well, And I'm wondering why. Well, I think the main thing their idea was was based on the fact that thin and thick lines, depending on on where they were in a certain space, would determine whether it was one or a zero. And so Mm. Mm -hmm. that was their idea, right? Mm. And they liked Morse code because it, it it was basically famous because it was able to store such complex information in a series of very easy to print symbols. And so that's why Woodland was like, well, this is perfect for, for basically a way to kind of attach something to, you know, groceries or anything mm-hmm. in, in, the, in his mind, because you could easily be able to, to discern a, a or, or decode it pretty quickly. Right. But that's kind of where his idea of the thick and thin lines came from because he decided instead of doing dots and dashes, he would kind of use the thick and thin lines 
in a certain space. Um, right. And when I say a certain space, is there's certain ways that you can arrange these lines to create mm-hmm. um, essentially a barcode. What will will now be what is now called a barcode, but they didn't know it was that yet. Right, and they didn't they didn't know it was barcode, and they also said, "Hey, this thick and thin line thing, it's cool, but." Actually, we're going to throw a wrench in things, and we're not going to go with that. And they redesigned it into what's called the bullseye barcode, which Mm. is exactly what it sounds like. It's a bullseye. So it has rings around a circle center dot. And their idea and the reason why they developed a bullseye rather than the straight out thin lines is because at the time, they were thinking that the thin and thick lines laid out in a row would not be able to be scanned from every direction. And they thought that this bullseye design would be better because you could see the pattern from any direction, which kind of makes sense. But I think they were really going way too in-depth here because, as we'll hear, we did eventually come back to the line method. And as you see today. What's interesting about this is that they took this design and they they patented it around, I think, uh, 1952. Okay. Um, But... Because the patent itself was in a way too advanced because they didn't really have any way of scanning it yet. Mm. Um, right. It, it, it just kind of sat. It, it sat useless for 20 years. So 20 years? 20, 20 years. Nearly 20 years. So Oh, my God. People had end. cramped hands for 20 years for manually putting these stickers yeah. on. Yeah. Wow. It, it was kind of stupid. 20 years. Yeah. It, well, it was close to the 70s when when they got back to it but in the mid 60s they had this uh, basically some advancements in technology mm-hmm. and that advancement was the first functioning laser um and so that was again to kind of back up a little bit they were having trouble basically scanning these these thick and thin lines because they just couldn't get a light that was bright enough right to quickly read the barcode or mm-hmm. the bullseye code at the time right and so they really it kind of they just shelved the idea, but yeah. uh, towards the end of 1960s, yeah, towards the end of 1960s, I said, "Well, you know what? Maybe we can do. Maybe we can revisit it." I think because they had better idea. technology, better yeah, lasers. Exactly. Yeah. This is when Star Wars was coming out, and they finally had blasters and everything, and <laughs> lightsabers. <laughs> okay. And I'm not sure if that's well. Okay. <laughs> All um, right. So they knew that they could do it then, uh, but yeah, jokes aside. Essentially, GM is General Motors <clears throat> is attributed with the first company to use barcodes in their inventory systems. However, the National Association oh, NAF- of Food NAFC, Chains, NAFC, NAFC, oh, the famous NAFC, NAFC, yes, NAFC, yeah, NAFC, 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 yeah, NAFC. They went hard in developing a way for something to to make something called a universal product code or a UPC code as we know it today. And this all happened in 1966. Basically what this NAFC did is they put out a competition and said, look, we want you guys to develop this. We need it. Get it done. And there was several electronic companies who competed for the contract, but RCA, which at the time was a major electronics company of the day, they RCA is took still around, really I think, though, lead. too. RCA they are, is pretty uh, big. They, they are. I know RCA. I get it confused with, like, the record company. I don't think they were the same entity. But RCA Records, and then you have RCA Electronics Company. 
So I'm not sure which one is still around. I know that back in the day they were huge. And this is what really led them to win the first opportunity, to get the first opportunity to develop the barcode. And I think there's a little bit more information on that as well in the next section there. What's what's really interesting about RCA, and I was actually just looking it up, that's why I kind of went quiet a little bit because I was like, RCA, RCA, RCA. Mm. And that is a huge uh, media company, and it's still alive. Um, and it, it, it was um, created by GE in 1919. And they, do, they, they, they still make TVs and stuff. I mean, they're still an electronic company. You just don't hear a lot. Uh, from them. So is RCA Records the same? Uh, yes, RCA Records is is something, but it's now owned by Music Sony Records. So Sony Sony bought oh, RCA. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it's still, technically still around, but mm-hmm. not really. I, I think I it's still around. It says defunct. I don't know what that means, but I think the uh, it means it's not around anymore. Oh, well, it hasn't been around for a couple of years, thir- three years and yeah, thirty six years. Unfortunately. Too bad. Uh, Another great brand I loss, know, just like I the supermarket brand. Okay. Well, moving on. Um, uh, RCA decided to take up the bid. They said, well, sheesh, yeah, we want to try to get on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they quickly produced a working prototype based off the bullseye barcode. Okay. Okay. Good for them. And so, it, you know, they even got Kroger involved, and Kroger started using it in their checkout in 1972. The Very problem nice. Was, there was a lot of issues with this because okay. after about eighteen months, they really found that the design needed it needed more because mm-hmm. once they printed it, the ink didn't dry very fast. Oh and, no! And and it really was enough to prevent the the bullseye from it wasn't enough to present it from from smudging. So uh-huh. once it was smudged, the barcode was useless. So you, right, so you have to understand that this is actually before barcodes were even printed printed directly onto packaging. I think they had to go around. And they had to manually actually add the barcode, I, I believe. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So so what happened is, is you basically got, you had a bad design. So RCA is kind of struggling. Okay, so RCA was having a horrible time getting the ink to dry. So this opened the door for another company that we all have heard of today because they're still around, they're still kicking. It is IBM. IBM. Ooh. They were at this time the underdog. IBS? I thought is that what you had the the poop off? <laughs> yeah, it's called irritable bowel syndrome. And no, this is not the same thing. This is a company, and everybody knows this company. They had one of the first computers. They are a very good t- company, and they came to the table with one of the most important things that you could have when talking about a barcode. It was perhaps the best secret weapon. So yeah, they they had a secret weapon, and that was actually Norman Joseph Woodland himself, along with uh, with another uh, engineer called George Lauer. Mm. Lauer. Mm-hmm. Um, they they really kind of came together, and they realized the strength of Woodland's original thick and thin line. So this Woodland guy, he gave up his other friend, and he said, "Hey, Mr. Silver Fox." Yeah, he gave up Silver Fox, and he said, "Hey, I I remember the original idea." I remember. Exactly. And he came back to and, it. Didn't give it up. But with the help from Lurr, Lurr, um, he actually, they actually discovered that there was going to be issues with the bullseye design. So what they really had to do 
is they had to come up with something completely different, or in fact, not that much more different. They, you know, Woodland himself actually went over this mm-hmm. actual idea later, earlier, about twenty years earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's coming back full circle with the help right. of George. So he must be about forty now. Yeah, he's old. Yeah, he's pretty old. Well, he's not that old, but he's old to be going back on his original things. I wonder how long, how many sleepless nights he had thinking about, dang it, if only we did the straight lines and dashes and not the stupid barcode <laughs> that Silver Fox made. That's... <laughs> you know, I, I wonder how many nights he missed So many that. nights. I would assume it's so many nights. Yeah. Poor guy. He finally has his chance to, si- to shine thanks to IBM. But then he goes and messes it all up. So yeah, basically he me- he did mess it up, but he came back and he saved the day. IBM, they came out with this bar code design with the lines, thick and thin lines. And this is when Laura demonstrated his version of the barcode, Laura being Norman Joseph Woodland's new friend at IBM. Mm-hmm. And he was able to throw things over the scanner that they had made. And every time the products would be read, and he could do it very quickly. And so on March 30th, 1973, a team of MIT scientists tested at even a greater scale Lohr's adapted design against the RCA bullseye. And on April 1st, a winner was announced, and IBM was victorious. Man, I had no idea IBS would be considered a victory. Well, no, but IBM. Is... IBM. Not, oh, okay. Not IBM. Okay, IBM. Okay, IBM. That's you the can, technology You can company. probably buy some IBS drugs that have barcodes on them with, with this new design, but no, 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 not IBS, man. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, IBM was able to come through on that. Here's, here's kind of a recall. It's kind of like a recap, right? We started in the 40s. It was really hard. This guy who owned a store decided there's got to be something we can do. And he actually gets this man named Norman Joseph Woodland involved who creates a, a design which would later be a total failure. Because mm-hmm. of bad ink again, and poor scanning capabilities. Ink. Yeah, really, honestly, if I'm thinking back on it, if I'm thinking... If I'm thinking about this design, I think it's pretty bad design. Yeah, but anyways... Bad design. It looks good, but it's bad design. Looks good, bad design. But mm-hmm. 20 years later, teams up with IBM with another guy named George Lahrer. Yep. And they create the actual barcode system that we know today, and it was cleared by MIT scientists. Right, and obviously the NAFC, which is the National Association uh, for Grocery Stores, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So you gotta understand this is this is bringing this is bringing stuff into the modern age now, right? Yeah, because it is because now now with with barcode technology, grocery stores were very fast to adapt to this technology, mm-hmm. um, and and even more so, you were finding different ways to use a barcode. They were used in a, de- a lot of different ways. You know, they could quickly increase profits because now we could easily track our product, and they even were were saving lives. So it kind of is, is, I think, kind of cool because history is kind of providing this ample evidence that indicates that the barcode itself has a proven ability to uh, prove whether or not a company will be profitable. Uh, so if you are in a modern company and you, you don't have a barcode system or you don't have a SKU system, there's a very low chance that you're going to be profitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going off that, you know, there's been articles written – 
that estimate that 80 to 90% of the top 500 companies today use barcode-based management systems of some kind. And, you know, these barcodes help to reduce error because, you know, manual data entry is riddled by human error. So back in the day when they used to use manual ledgers and they used to write down every sale in, in a book, you a lot of times could do what they like to say, cook at the books, which you could cook the books and <laughs> evade taxes, but you couldn't really track your inventory that well. So there was probably some benefits to that, but really it, barcodes really helped to reduce the error. And they also made data collection such as where is my product and how much do I have left? So you could scan a barcode at every step of the process and that will allow you to know exactly where your thing is in any system. So that's very helpful as well. I think what's one of my favorite parts about barcode technology is that the security and the ability that you can do to save lives mm, mm-hmm. in terms of like, you were mentioning earlier about, you know, IBS medicine being scanned by a barcode. Mm-hmm. I mean, all uh, phar- pharmacies now, they scan out, they scan in uh, the different medicines and they, oh, okay. they put it in a bottle, and they scan it again. And that's just for medicines. But, you know, patients themselves in the hospitals and doctor's offices all have a risk with a, with a barcode on it. Right. And that barcode is, is it's a little little um, dystopian to think about, but that barcode becomes you know basically your number. So, but security wise, it's very easy then to track your your medicines that you're on, mm-hmm. what you're doing, and right. so your medication errors are significantly reduced because oh, yeah. you have this Absolutely. ability to to create a way to track. Yeah, not only that, it helps with the dosing and the quantities. So you it knows like, okay, you scan a barcode before adding a certain ingredient to a a pill or something that you're mixing up as a pharmacist, and it will tell you, okay, I've already added that. So it eliminates yeah. the human error. So mm-hmm. instead of getting like, you know, I don't know what uh, uh, dosages are in, but I think it's grams or something. So you get 100 grams of <laughs> oxy. Oxycontin instead of the mm. ten grams or whatever you're supposed to have, you you could <laughs> die if you took that. But luckily, barcodes help to prevent that. And yeah. overall, they're great. They help companies succeed. They help our modern world to tick and function correctly. But I will have to go into a little discussion here about QR codes, just like barcodes. An automobile company known as Toyota was the first to use these in 1992. QR codes are not like barcodes. They are, however, different because they have little squares and designs on them. And you guys probably have seen them, especially on the rise because of COVID-19, where restaurants use these for their menu. You just scan it and a link pops up on your phone, you click on it, you can order, or you can see the menu right away. It takes you to a URL, which then takes you to a website. So QR codes, very similar to barcodes, same kind of technology, but they're easier to scan with a smartphone or a smart device. My next question for you is, do you see a day when barcodes will not exist? I don't. I don't know. Because thinking about it, you still need a way to track things. Mm-hmm. So I don't see a bar. I, I don't think that I. Maybe the physical barcode leaves and it's replaced by something else. Mm-hmm. But right. no, I'll be honest, I don't really see a day, I guess, that the barcode or the idea of the barcode goes away because you. 
you're still going to need that to to track inventory, to track things right. on the road. I like how you came at it from an inventory standpoint. Because when I asked the question, I was thinking more of like a checkout scanning standpoint. And I had a really good follow-up kind of point or a hot take to make. And that is that Amazon is secretly and quietly developing very high-tech stores where all you have to do is sign in with your smartphone, go through a gate, and anything you pick up, put in your pocket or put in a backpack, you can put it back and it will know it just knows everything you're doing based off of sensors and and cameras so you can just leave the store and you will automatically be charged for what you took or what you didn't take so i think barcodes will go away from the user interface at a grocery store you will no longer have to scan them but i do not believe from a tracking inventory standpoint that they will go away um, i'm not sure how they would do that yeah that's i mean they have to have take on that I don't think there's a way that you can get get rid of them because you're still going to have to count them. And the best way to do that in terms of accuracy is to have some sort of code. Yeah, I I agree with that. So this being said, I think that covers our discussion on barcodes. Um, Yes. I just did a quick scan over the document one more time that our producer provided to us. And it looks like we covered all of our topics The last thing we have to do is sign off here today. And with that, I would like to say thank you listeners for listening to us and spreading the word about our unique podcast. Goodbye. Have a great rest of your day. And of course, I hope to see everyone back here next week listening to The Build Plate. If you have any questions, please contact us at thebuildplatepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion or an invention that you'd like us to talk about, feel free to give us a email. Bye, bye, bye. This podcast has been produced and edited by Asher and Rainer Brown.